Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikma. With me is the birthday boy himself, Benjamin Solak. Ben, happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Everything is delicious. Great day to have a great day. Things of that nature. Uh, <laughs> How was your birthday? Did you do anything special today? I took a nap. I decided okay. I was not going to work very hard on my birthday because... It's my birthday, my birthday party, my birthday with a birthday suit, did you get birthday like, did, present. Did birthday. you get like a special meal or something? Like, I know it's kind of like a work day for us because obviously we're in the middle of free agency, but did you like yeah. have a cool dinner or sell like something? Well, it's it's the first day of Lent, uh, or okay. not the first day of Lent, it's the first week of Lent. My birthday is never not in Lent. So for me, that means no meat and no dairy. Mm. Uh, and so I've never had like a birthday cake or anything. Uh, so Mayor made Lenten, like she made vegan chocolate chip cookies uh yesterday and then we had cabbage and noodles today which is for uh for all my slavs out there we had halushki and it was really freaking good uh but for all my not slavs uh we had cabbage and noodles and it was delicious why don't you just do like a birthday dinner the week before your birthday so usually like it's not even close this like this year easter is is the first week of may which is like as late as it'll ever be on the Eastern calendar. So usually my birthday is in like the third, fourth week of Lent, or like in the middle of Lent. It's like whatever. Oh, okay. This year it was kind of close, but it's mm. still, there's no meat the week before Lent. So it's like, oh, you could like kind of, you know, force a birthday cake if you want, but we just had brownies and ice cream for a whole week because you're just already doing that. You know what I mean? You're already like storing up on on dairy for winter, as it were. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it's it's never been, like when I was a kid, I was like, this is the worst. But now I'm just like, oh, <laughs> make good make good pasta, eat it, be happy. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that it was at least a restful birthday. At least you were able to get a big nap uh, yes. in, yeah, on the couch to with sleep Nugs. Was the greatest birthday gift. Yeah. No. No. I bet. And and I, look. Hey, you also get to do the podcast with me. Isn't that the perfect way to end the birthday? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yay. Folks, we're talking about <laughs> offensive alignment today on this episode of the podcast. We talked interior offensive linemen yesterday. Gave our final scouting notes. Our uh, the, the 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 film notes, the things that we've seen from these prospects, we put them in different buckets, guys that we like for zone blocking schemes, man blocking schemes, and eventually gave our top fives at the end of the episode. We're going to be doing the same thing here now instead with offensive tackle. So we're going to be doing the superlatives a little bit different. We're still going to go into which guys fit for man and zone blocking schemes, but we're going to talk about traits. We're going to have superlatives for traits, best feet, best hands, you know, things like that as we go through this offensive tackle class and see how good it really is and some guys guys that we really like. Before we get to that, got to remind the people that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. It's got an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you were ever going to need over at rockauto.com. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On NFL Draft sent you. So, Ben, which superlative do you want to start out with? I had you come up with the talking points, and we've got a couple of different traits that we could choose from. Which guy do you want to start talking about? Let's go for best feet, because I feel like oh, if you're we a did... feet guy. Okay, relax. <laughs> if we that was unnecessary. <laughs> if we went hands first, like if we if we went on like you know like best hands, yeah. and then and then went to footwork. I feel like offensive line Twitter would be like, oh, pass protection starts from the ground up. And it, does. Okay, it does. Okay, guys. It does. it does. And there, I think, 
you know, for as much as we talk about thresholds with arm length and wingspan and just overall size for offensive tackles, which I, I do believe are true and carry weight, footwork is so important. Having foot speed, having good footwork, being able to set your base, being able to move on different kinds of pass sets. I mean, that really, to me, is is the most important part. Well, I don't want to say most important part because there's so much that goes into good offensive tackle play, but it's one of the paramount points of playing offensive tackle specifically when it comes to that versus interior guys. So I I agree. All jokes aside, I agree that we're starting with best feet. So do you want to talk about best footwork like total in the class or are we talking guy that maybe surprised us like with scheme? How do do you want to go with that? Best footwork in the class belongs to Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. That's not who I'm going to talk about. I'm going to okay. talk about a player whose best trait is his footwork, and that's what, if he's successful in the league, that's going to be because of that strength of his. I really like Dante Smith out of Eastern Carolina. I think he's legit. Uh, in terms of this day two tackle class of project players, Dante Smith, Coyote uh, Wusika from Buffalo, Brady Christensen out of BYU, James Hudson out of Cincinnati, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa, a lot of very, very good athletes. Uh, Dante Smith might be my favorite. I think I probably like Christensen better, but this is an extremely good prospect. He's a multiple-year starter. Uh, He only started one game in 2020, and he had injury, and so it's like, all right, whatever. Um, He started in 2019. He started in 2018. He has experience on both the left side and the right side. playing in, in conference USA dominates the competition up against which he goes with consistency, went to the senior bowl and was immediately very successful. Best, the biggest surprise offensive lineman off of senior bowl film that I watched. And I didn't watch senior bowl film for like a lot of the safeties, the linebackers, whatever. I watched it for the offensive line and for the defensive line class. Cause it's a, that's, I think you're going to get legitimate uh, boxes checked, especially for guys who played at a lower level of competition. Uh, Smith's, approach is really really strong when he is mirroring in space for a player who is of his size which smith is i want to say six he's listed like six five six 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 i'm not sure he's actually that tall uh he's also listed at 294 and he's definitely a little bit thin um but even then for a player who's basically at nfl tackle size maybe 10 pounds below it the briskness with which he moves is Colton Miller-esque. Hmm. It sort of reminds me of where it's like there was a lot about Miller that wasn't good at UCLA, and there's a lot about Deon- Deontay Smith that's not good now at Eastern Carolina. At East Carolina, excuse me. I always want to call it Eastern Carolina. It's just East Carolina. Uh, it is Eastern, but it's Yeah, but like the school name is East Carolina. Correct, yes. Yes. So while there, were, there was a lot about Miller, and Miller ended up being like a top 15 pick, and it was like, what is going on? This is unnecessary. This is crazy. When Miller moved in his pass sets you were like well yeah the kid's built to play offensive tackle and i get that i get a similar uh experience with dante smith now the snap to snap framing of rushers right and we talk about footwork and getting into your vertical set which is what smith uses heavily 45 degree sets uh excuse me we, we talk about getting into deeper sets 45 degree sets and jump sets smith more so used jump sets and 45 degree sets he did not use vertical sets as much my apologies i feel like that uh, was that was the case with a lot of guys in this class i feel like i, I was and, noting right. that a lot of these guys were using more jump sets and and 45 degree sets than true vertical sets no need because of how quick the passing game right, is at the college correct, level correct right yes. you no need a vertical set you're giving that guy a free release off the line of scrimmage Okay, are you more likely to be able to mirror him when he eventually gets his rush path? Yes. 
but you're also already closer to the quarterback. And we want this ball to come out quick. And so if you're not initiating contact with that edge, he's going to be able to elevate, get his hands up, affect a passing lane, go in, in, influence him immediately. And so Smith has got that springiness. He's got that explosiveness. Now on a snap-to-snap basis, his landing points, while not as consistent as you'd like for an NFL starter at this stage, is the most consistent aspect of his game. There's time where his hand hand carriage is just straight bad. Right, There's time where his play recognition is just straight bad. There's times where it's really good, too, which is why I, I like him a lot as a developmental player. I think he just needs to iron out some inconsistencies. But the most consistent thing you're getting from him, if you had to put him on the field in year one, would be that he's able to get to your landing points, to your landmarks, the places you need to get to succeed in the mm-hmm. league quickly mm-hmm. effectively efficiently and usually balanced at times his frame gets a little is basically a little bit narrow like i said he's a little bit of an upright a little bit of a thinner guy he needs a little bit more sand to the pants he's a little more bend in the knees but generally is there so if Deon, if dante smith is going to be a good offensive tackle in the league which i think that with a good offensive line coach he has a nice projection to fight for a starting job in year two and year three it's going to be because he's so god dang springy he's so bouncy when he's out there and and uh, like you know it's not like bouncy like the upper body's moving around like he's actually able to stay pretty steady it's just he he gets to his landmark redirects resets re-anchors works his feet throughout the rep so 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 well and it's very very natural it's extremely it's extremely smooth quality movement so work to be done but if once we get beyond your you know uh your your uh Dylan Radins is and your Jackson Carmen's your Alex Leather was your Walker Littles that second tier of tackles who they're like oh you know maybe they could start in year one and they don't have a high ceiling but oh maybe they can be a guard whatever and you start to get to your okay we're drafting these guys for the future mm-hmm. Dante Smith's one of the first names I'd go for and his footwork is why okay so I mean like I'll I'll go along the same spirit of the answer that you chose because the the two guys that I have one and two in this class, Rayshon Slater and Penny Snool, they're they're one and two because of their footwork, because of their foot speed and their footwork and how much ground they can cover and how much faith I have for them to execute all different kinds of pass sets, including the most vertical sets. I mean, like those two guys and their footwork are why they are the best two offensive. Well, part of what makes them the best two offensive tackles in this class. So I, I won't say them because I think they're winning, we're going to say plenty of words right. on those two guys. But when I look at the rest of the class, I'll just shout out James Hudson, and I, I I don't think that his footwork in terms of technique is good, but this dude is so twitched up for an offensive tackle. So Cincinnati, offensive yes, tackle. yes, yeah. the the Cincinnati offensive tackle, James Hudson, and I the background here is that he went to the University of Michigan to start his collegiate career and he did so as a defensive lineman he was a defensive lineman for Michigan and then when he kind of wanted to transition over to the other side of the ball he was going to transfer because he wasn't going to start at Michigan and so he transferred over to Cincinnati he ended up having to sit out a year but he was able to you know sit and kind of really learn the position for a year which I think was good for him started one year of offensive tackle in 2020 didn't give up a single sack in 11 games in 2020 and so I think that you know, the offense goes a lot into that, and if you watch his tape, he is very inexperienced. He does not know where to look. He doesn't know where to place his hands. He doesn't understand exactly how to manipulate pass rushers to get them where he wants to go, to be able to move them against his will, but the athleticism is all there. And when you watch this guy fire out of his sets, and he has got those quick and active feet 
I just watch that happen. I go, man, this is, I, I can see why people talk about him. I can see why people would want to bet on this player, given that this is the first year that he has ever started at offensive tackle. He started at left tackle for the Bearcats. It was fun. And his footwork was something that, although it didn't look pretty, man, he could move. And I love pointing out athletes like that because those are some of the guys who, you might be able to work with. You might be able to get into an NFL system where, hey, they're not starting year one, of course. I mean, James Hudson's absolutely not going to start in year one in the NFL. If I mean, if he does, then holy cow, that's a beyond a leap because he has so much further to go when it comes to anticipation and IQ just for the position. But this is a player year one, year two, really learning in the league. And hey, you know, if a contract's coming up and you're in a pinch and you needed him to step in at offensive tackle in his third year, fourth year, I think that he might be able to do it for you because of the athletic profile that he has shown. And so where this is not the best footwork, the best footwork belongs to the guys that are at the top of my rankings for this class. And they are damn good with Panay Sewell and Rayshon Slater. I am most intrigued at the foot speed and what could be the potential of a guy like James Hudson. Hudson getting ejected from the Georgia Cincinnati Peach Bowl lost Cincinnati the game. And it's because Aziz Ojolari, who like was beaten up on SEC tackles for a lot of the season, got his against James Hudson. Hudson's a player who, who's, who's a projection right now. He's not consistent. But Hudson wasn't used to tackles being that quick. And he played in the SEC. You're, you're, wait, you said you're saying Ojolari was oh, Ojolari right, right, wasn't right. used to tackles being that quick, and he played in the SEC. Uh, and there'd be times where Ojolari be like, "All right, I have the outside edge track," and James Hudson be like, "I am extremely fast." Right. And Ojolari <laughs> be like, "Dang, this is not how this usually goes." And then uh, Hudson he just, gets he just start me- he just start mirroring him into the backfield. Just yeah. you know, we are group, right. say like same exact path. And honestly, like Ojolari needs to be able to get a speed to power rush because Hudson can't anchor. Right. <laughs> but Ojolari doesn't really have that in his bag just yet. Uh, anyway, Hudson goes out at the end of the first half with targeting mm-hmm. and then they have to put in some like six foot seven German kid. And Ojolari was like, yeah, this is what I'm used to. This boy's 345 pounds. Here we go. And Ojolari just ate for the entire second half. Hudson's for real. Uh, I think that he's probably, it's going to be one of those situations where like Hudson's going to have better testing numbers than Dante Smith. Oh, well, then, I mean, like then, then everybody basically, right? right. Then He's Dante nuts. Smith, then Dylan Radins, then Brady Christensen, so on and so forth. But I think all of those guys are still going to be decent to plus athletes, especially in like areas that matter. Um, like I would expect Smith to have a great short shuttle. I would expect Christensen to have a solid short shuttle. You know, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a question of who do you like on their developmental arc for personality reasons, for workout reasons, for work ethic reasons, right? For character fits and so on and so forth. And that's the thing is like, we often mistake ourselves into thinking the best athlete is the best developmental player. You have to have NFL caliber athleticism. And then after that, you got to want, you, you got to want yeah. it. Yeah. Now, now it depends on who it is for sure. Yeah. No, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I like Christensen too. I mean, I, I'm glad that you kind of like threw his name out there. I think that he's a guy that, that, a lot of teams are going to be very intrigued in just because of his, uh, what, did he, what did he play, 38 games in three years at left tackle for BYU. I mean, he's just got a ton of experience, and I think you could tell the polish in his game. I thought he was quick, but I didn't, I, I was kind of, the rest of his athletic profile I thought was just kind of like adequate. 
and I wasn't super impressed with it, whether it was power or speed. But I did think that he was quick enough, and I think that he's refined enough. He was able to get himself to a spot on different kinds of passing sets. And so, I'm shouting him out, but I don't know. Anybody else footwork-wise that you wanted to shout out in there that we might not get the chance to talk about? Those are the only like, guys Sam, I had. No pressure. You don't got. Yeah, you don't got. Samuel, throw Samuel Cosby's quite. Samuel Cosby's best trait is his footwork, in my opinion. Um, mean, but Cosby's ready to go. I mean, all right. Let's. I. I like. Oh, no. 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 Look, I like Cosme. I do. But he's. He's imbalanced. He's on his toes all the time. He's, he's not six foot seven. No, no, no. Like, no, I, I, I know. And, and I, I'm not saying this like he should, like, I, like he should be better. Like, how dare he? He should be embarrassed and ashamed. Like, but this is, like, this is just how he is. This is, this is where the weight goes on his body. And I see him consistently going on his toes. And it worries me because that also, I feel like, has his shoulders a little bit too far over his hips. It, 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 it naturally has mm-hmm. him lunge at players. And especially when it comes to, I'd be curious to see if this was your biggest criticism of Cosme. Taking on power, Cosme knows he knows how right. to anchor. He understands how to do it. But if you will watch, it takes him a couple of steps to do so. He's not the kind of player where you run into him with a bull bull rush and it's like you're hitting a house full of bricks. You run no. <laughs> into him, you run into Samuel Cosme, and he will give you one or two steps before he really is is able to sink and get his base and stop you and anchor because he knows how to do it. But I also think that beyond just him being tall and a little bit of a lighter weight, I think it's more difficult for him to shift his weight back to his heels just from his posture and how he naturally stands. Right. And that's why he's a limitation there. So I would agree with you. I have a really weird grade on his footwork because I think his footwork is fast. But him consistently in the center of gravity on his feet being consistently on his toes with him being so tall, knowing that he's going to take all kinds of bull rushes and power moves, that's something that worries me a little bit with him is how much power he can transfer up his posterior chain through his body into his upper body on his heels because I'm not so sure he's naturally flexible enough to do that. So that that's right. just, that was my Cosme thing. What we're talking about here is a player who doesn't play with good flexibility. He plays upright. Yeah. Right. It's that's yes. why, right, when 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 you say like footwork, right? And it's like he plays on his toes, and I'm like, he's yeah, he's six seven. I it's you know, think about like balancing, you know, like I'm like looking at my desk right now, thinking about balancing a chapstick on my finger. You know what I mean? I can do it fairly easily. The Thanks, chapstick Thanos. isn't that tall, right? Now I take a sharpie that's on my desk, I try to balance it on my finger, it's a lot more difficult. It's because there's so much more mass, so much further away from my finger. For Cosme to be six foot seven, he ha- and 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 six foot seven, and uh, he's he's built. He's not built in the lower half as well as he needs to be. His right. mass is up top. He needs to play with a wider base. And he needs to play with more knee bend. If he does that, and he puts his his butt lower, and then he gets a power rush, he will get flat backed because he does not have anchoring mass in his lower half so he plays upright he takes bull rushes into his chest and then you're talking about he he crow hops his feet back he buries his insteps in the ground and he tries to eat that bull rush before he gets pushed all the way back into sam ellinger's Mm -hmm. lap Mm -hmm. if you put mass on him now he can play with better knee bend now he can play with lower leverage and he's going to be more likely and more effective at stopping bull rushes earlier so to me like when i evaluate tackles i have footwork as a category and then i have 
flexibility slash leverage as a I category. Do, I do as well. Right. Yeah, Cosme grades out as a near elite player for me in footwork. He does not do that in flexibility and in leverage. <laughs> sure. And so those these are the differences here for me. Um, oh, but I I I don't have Cosme as a as a top five guy. I have him as a actually it's not true. I do have him as a as a top five guy. Oh, do you? But really? he's, he's, he's he's near the he's, bottom. He's there. he's six for me. So I'm very interested to hear our top fives. Okay, here we go. No, no, but so I, I I will just say to, to wrap up the, the Cosby conversation, I don't know exactly what his problem would be because you say you add a little bit more weight to him. Okay. That like that might help, but I don't know how much, I think the natural inflexibility issues that he has are going to exist because, you know, not to compare myself to a future NFL offensive tackle, because there's not a lot to compare here, Please please do, but, I have, I do not have good flexibility in my ankles and posterior chain and in my hips, just naturally. I have found that in order to really get the most of lifts that have to do with me putting a lot of weight either in the middle or at the heels of my feet, it's after I've done yoga for a couple of months or really been stretching often. I remember when I was playing soccer and I was stretching every day, like that was a big help. But naturally I'm very much like Cosme in that most of my center of gravity comes on my toes. And so yes, when I do lifting exercises and strength exercises, the way that I overcome that is I widen my base, I angle my feet out and things like that. You don't always have that kind of luxury. And I don't know if his his hips are that flexible as well to let him kind of be able to sink in a passing set pre-snap and like what his alignment is there. So it's difficult because it's more than just saying, I throw it out there to say it's more than just, Hey, if you throw a little bit of extra weight on this guy, cause I do think that you could throw some extra weight on Cosme. Like I think that his frame can hold a little bit more weight to him, especially in the lower half. If you kind of really work on that, but it's more than just saying like, Hey, he needs a little bit more weight to anchor and have more power to him. There are some, some ankle flexibility issues and some potential hip flexibility issues that mess with his posture and his shoulders have him a little bit more upright because, like you said, he's six foot seven. And just from as somebody who who carries a lot of their weight on their toes as well, it's it's just not difficult to make that kind of a transfer. And I I especially assume that it's a lot more difficult when you're six foot seven, three hundred three hundred five pounds. And so I really like a lot of Cosme's tape. That's just a big worry for me. I'm 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 worried that he's just going to struggle with power in the NFL. So that was my, that was my cosmic thing. Ignore Trevor; he's lying to you. Okay, it's easy. Okay. Put mask on, <laughs> bend. He's Trent Williams. No problem. Listen, a couple of peanut butter sandwiches at night. Just do squats. Yeah, just squat every day. That's fine. That's all you need. Uh, we got a couple, it could not be less of an issue. We got a couple of ads that we got to read before we get to the best hands in the class. But first, a little elaborating. On rockauto.com. It's a family owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. Rockauto.com is the one stop shop for all sorts of auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Their catalog, it's super easy, super remarkable in, in, to, to, to navigate. You're going to be able to find exactly what you need, whether it's engine modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. Like it doesn't matter. If you're looking for something for your car, They've got it. Go over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts that they have available for your car or truck. And write Locked On NFL Draft in their little How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you over there. Once again, amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com. And then also, we've been telling you guys about this, but Built Bar, best tasting protein bars out there, they're having this new contest to find out which Built Bar bar is the best. Now, of course, they're all... 
low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, but we want to find out which flavor is the best. If you've tried Built Bar before, go vote for your favorite. Go over to BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter to go see what the matchups are every single day in Built Madness. That's what they're calling this. And be able to vote and try to get your voice heard and, and make sure that your favorite bar is the one that wins. Also, if you end up buying some bars, whether it's the first time or you're just re-upping on your stock, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order over at BuiltBar.com. More offensive tackle superlatives coming up after the break. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get the daily picks, the blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you listen to your podcast. Who's got the best hand work, hand technique, hand fighting, karate moves in the class, Ben? Danielson, man. Uh, Liam Eikenberg's the best. He's the best. He's, He's great so at it. stinking good. Do you have another name besides Liam? I do. I love Tevin You're Jenkins wrong. as well. You're so I dumb. love Tevin Jenkins what? as well. Okay, my thing with Tevin Jenkins is like, his hands are cannons, right? Well, like, I'm yeah, they'll, <laughs> they will hurt, physically hurt you. Right. And it's funny because he uh, he doesn't necessarily have great length, um, but he's just got such no. a shot to him. With with Eichenberg, Liam Eichenberg, the senior tackle out of Notre Dame, it's that he has every single move you could want. He has every single angle, every single approach that you could want. He has every answer to, to every problem, right? We talk about mm-hmm. at corner, you got to have answers to problems. At tackle, you got to have answers to problems. Problems are what edges throw you. They're what they pose to you. Uh, there's a great sequence that you should find on Twitter. If you don't follow uh, uh, Austin Gale, uh, PFF, PFF underscore Austin Gale, who's a friend of the show, and then Ben Fennel, Ben Fennel underscore NFL is also a friend of the show. Uh, Austin's showing Azizo Jalari working the outside chop, which is his favorite rush move. And Ben responds with a clip of Ojolari trying to throw it against Liam Eikenberg and Eikenberg just stonewalling him in 2019. <laughs> right. And this was, this was, so this was like, you know, Ojolari's definitely gotten a lot better since then. Um, but it's a Ojolari throws it and he hits the chop successfully. He drops Eikenberg's hand and Eikenberg just calmly returns it right back to the outside shoulder, steers him right beyond the peak of the pocket. And that's what we talk about with handwork is that Eikenberg throws that early outside punch gets a hand knocked and is still playing with the necessary balance, the necessary comfort and the understanding as well as the length to just reset his hands and just take Ojolari where he wants to go. And when you put on Eichenberg's film and you watch him against, uh, you, you know, they had Pitt this year. So you watch him against Rashad Weaver yeah, and um, yep. the name of the other Pitt edge, Patrick which is Jones. Patrick Jones. Thank you. I kept I, in my head. I was like, Tack McKinley. I was like, no, it's not Tack McKinley, but I caught Patrick Jones <laughs> and Tack McKinley. So Ooh, that's, that's a good. Comp. I actually like that. Yeah. Um, so you see him against uh, Patrick Jones. They had him uh, uh, this year against Florida State. You see him against Joshua Kindo. Nobody is he, – he'll get beat with quickness. He, he, he'll lose the initial step of the rep, but usually he's able to recover. And even when he when uh, it, it's, a, it's a stalemate after the first step, Eichenberg does not lose to hand fighters. He does not lose to technique at the college level. Extremely rare to see it. And if he puts the hands on you, it's done. 
if he gets grip, it's vices and it's finished. Uh, he's not much of a finisher like Tevin is. He will finish you, but it's not really what he's what he's out there for. Um, but if he latches hands, he will grip, sustain, and he will keep you in place for the entirety of the rep. Uh, in terms of a blindside protector, that ability to win with hands and to finish a rush early, right? This is one of the best things about Rashawn Slater is that Slater wa- wants to finish your rep before you even get into it. Eichenberg also, if he's got you within range of his punch, like he knows his, his reach. He'll fit. He'll he'll just latch hands. He'll say, just do whatever you want. Even if you break my hands, I'm just gonna reset him. I'm too big. Like you know what I mean. Like he he's very willing to be the aggressor with his punch to secure you up and lock you down. I uh, I usually don't like tackles like Liam Eichenberg, and he won me over over the course of this film because yeah. he's just so rock steady. I know he's your boy. Yeah. I was really really impressed by his film. I remember watching Liam Eichenberg's film early on, and I was like, man, this guy. It, it's not sexy, but it's so daggum Right, that's good. the thing. And I, I remember talking with you on the podcast, and I was like, he is not going to wow people away. Like, people are going to continue to try to rank offensive tackles ahead of Liam Eikenberg. Because, you know why? Because he's boring. Because he's not like these flashy, super uber-athletic offensive tackles that you think of all the possibility that you could do with it. But look, okay, why do we love athletic offensive tackles we don't we do we do we do we We love athletic offensive tackles because what you have said on this podcast before when you play tackle there is a chance that you're not going to have help on one of your shoulders there is a chance that many times throughout the game you're going to have both of your shoulders open you're not going to have help you need to be able to protect the pocket and stay in front of a pass rusher that has all sorts of athleticism great strength plenty of pass rush moves plenty of counters you need to be able to mirror and stay in front of that person no matter where they are going inside out or through you Often when you have a higher base of athleticism, that allows you to have the necessary footwork to shuffle and stay in front of them while also keeping your shoulder square. Be able to go deep into pass sets all the way through a pocket where the quarterback can climb up and not feel the pressure. Be able to put one foot, your outside foot, in the ground and then just pivot inside if there's a sudden inside move. All of these things are necessary with athleticism, along with flexibility and some other things too. But that's what we love about athlete about athletic offensive tackles. The allurement of being able to stay in front of guys and mirror them so they just you just take away pressure. I'm telling you right now. Eichenberg understands the position so well. He is so poised, he is so calm and his O-line IQ is so high. He does that. Are there going to be elite athletic players in the NFL that are sometimes going to give him trouble? Yes. But this is a guy who you can draft in the first round and play him at offensive tackle in week one. Is there going to be an acclimation period? Sure, but he ain't going to be a liability because he understands the position so well. He's going to get that chemistry down with the rest of his offensive line, and he's going to be fine. So a lot of the reasons why we have the allurement and the 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 gravitation towards these uber-athletic, bigger offensive tackles, guys who are more athletic than Liam Eikenberg, is because of their ceiling to potentially lock guys down on the outside. And I'm telling you, Eikenberg knows what he's doing so well, he does it better than a lot of these guys who are more athletic than him as well. So I'm, I'm glad Brian that you gave Bulaga. him... I am so... Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm so he's glad Brian that you Bulaga. gave him a shout-out because he is a first-round offensive lineman. I'll say it here. And I'm going to say it again would, when we, when we go through I, the if top like, five. If you tell me the Packers draft, it, draft Liam Eikenberg in round one, I'm like, yeah, it's because he's 
It's Brian Bulaka. He's you know, so you know, rock You know steady. who needs Liam Meikenberg the most? Chiefs? The, the freaking Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, hey, they got Kyle Long. It's not even a problem. All right, so the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> need Liam Meikenberg because they got to yeah, be able to plug and play good. him at offensive I mean, it, they probably want someone who's faster, though, because they run screens, and Liam on screens is not pretty. That's fair. That, that, okay, <laughs> see, that part of it's fair. Now we're bringing athleticism into it, so yeah, actually you're kind of right. I think the Packers, actually, now that you say that, that would be perfect. That'd be Brian Blago, Iowa. The guy who I would have given a shout out to, which I already said his name, other than Liam Meikenberg, would be Tevin Jenkins. Because Jenkins doesn't have the length, size profile that Liam Meikenberg gives to you. And that allows Eikenberg to be a little bit more patient, be a little bit more poised, more controlled of what he does. Jenkins needs to be the aggressor in more situations. He's got a jump set you, short set. He's got a 45 degree set you where he can get his hands on you early. But when he does, obviously... He's a mean cuss. Like he like when you when he puts hands on you, you feel it. You are affected. It's not like, oh yeah, there's just there happens to be a hand on my shoulder redirecting me a little bit. No, like your shoulder flies back and you are all of a sudden in need to recover if you are a a pass rusher when Tevin Jenkins can hit you. That's the kind of offensive lineman we're talking about here. But I also felt like I saw on multiple occasions guys try different moves. Guys try to get use their hands frantically against heaven. He was more poised than I thought that I was going to see from him as somebody who wins so much from strength that suffers from the limitations of having shorter arms. I thought that he looked a lot more controlled in 2020 than he had in the past. And I really enjoyed the patience as well as the violence of his handwork in 2020. So I wanted to give him a shout out too, because Man, I, I, you love the power that his hands bring, but also I thought the placement, the usage, and the patience was better than I thought it was going to be for a guy who is he's that much of a mauler. Yeah, if we did best like power, best quickness, best power, it's Tevin. Tevin's the most powerful player in the class, and that's not even like excluding the top guys. That's everybody. Tevin moves you <laughs> if you don't want to be moved if you thought you had placement if you had initial leverage initial explosion doesn't really matter Devin relocates you he's a ton of bricks um i uh like it's a really really good tackle class if you're a run heavy team tevin jenkins is the target in round one yeah i, de- I definitely agree who is the who is the toughest evaluation for you all right I don't like. I don't know how spicy this is. We're just gonna go. You ready? If you say Penny Sewell, I'm gonna fight you. I don't get it with Christian Darrisaw. I'm not there. I can't get there with him. What? He okay? What? He is, he is inconsistent. I mean, sure, but what? I mean, sure. I don't see in this class, in this economy, in this political climate. <laughs> We, as a country, as a nation, as a people, I don't see how you can take him over like Liam Eikenberg or Tevin Jenkins. Okay, I mean, well, like, you're, if, you're you're right with one of them, and very close on the other. The dominance that he shows in games like the UNC game, which was sick, mm-hmm. uh, the Boston College game, mm-hmm. quality game um look at the other games that i have graded wake forest just like there's stretches where you're just like holy moses like it, it it's the body control and physicality as well as explosiveness at six five three fifteen is 
for real. It's all that in a bag of chips. There's like a, a Virginia Tech's offense. They, they cycled through several different quarterbacks, Braxton Burmeister, Hendon Hooker. Uh, they are very predicated on the RPO. They're, they're predicated on constraint plays. A lot of uh, like not only just like bubble screens, but like tunnel screens and throwback screens. And, you know, they're running with Khalil Herbert and Raheem Blackshear. And they've got different running uh, running approaches, run, different blocking schemes and uh, play action. And there's a lot that goes on. And so there's just like weird angles that he has to hit, weird reads that other teams don't have to deal with. Uh, and there's just times where, like Darisaw goes to make a play. You can't make that play. You're huge. And then he's like, ha-ha, and he just gets there. And you're like, shimmy Christmas. You I, forget. I saw like, somebody on YouTube title a film watch on him. I, I I didn't watch it, but I saw that they titled it a, He's a Dancing Bear because, right, of, because right. of the size that he is and how well he moves. And, and that's I, where, I that's love where that. you get it. Yeah, there's a clip on my timeline of him blocking for like a play-action throwback screen where he finds a linebacker on Boston College, and he just – he hits him. He never finishes him. He starts hitting him at the 25 and he stops hitting him at the goal line. He just takes him all the way down the field, just shove. And then the guy tries to turn the other way. And he just shoves him back and he just keeps shoving him. And it's a touchdown. And you're just like, that's like that. That's like 285 pounder nonsense. That's like some skinny dude. That's like, you know, like Dylan Ray and Spencer Brown stuff at like their level of competition. You should be doing that to a Boston College edge. Right. So that that physical dominance. I have yet to hear the butt, Ben. I've heard and I've heard then, a really, really, really good offensive lineman that you have just explained. And then you put on uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. You put on like Liberty. Miami was the worst game I watched. Lower now. level competition, and there's just times where he just he, he just checks out the Liberty film, the Duke film. The, it's not good film. He's just trying to be bigger than other guys. He's I'm just gonna be huge. He doesn't activate his hands. He doesn't get to his set points. A lot of times when he has to combo in the running game, he just gets gets two yards, three yards into the second level and just waits for the for the, the linebacker to declare. You can't be doing that. We talked uh, on, on to your offensive line about making reads clear. You gotta you gotta make clear running lanes, clear decisions for your running back. They're gonna make you right. You've got to go and initiate. And Darius just likes to sit and he just likes to wait. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna be huge. And you're gonna come over here and, and I'm gonna shove you. And like that's that's gonna be enough for this rep. And against a rusher like Quincy Roche out of Miami, who, you know, they left Jalen Phillips, who had a four sack game against Virginia Tech, opposite Darisaw for a reason. For a reason. Roche, but against Roche, who's a very good rusher in his own right, there were times where Roche went to frame Darisaw, and he was like, are you going to give me the outside shoulder? And Darisaw was like, yeah, I'm going to give you the outside shoulder. And Chris Roche was like, do you know who I am? And Darisaw was like, yeah, I'm going to give you the outside shoulder. Roche was like, fine. And then he would just hit just a speed rush on the outside, and Darisaw would be like, oh, dang, you're fast. And it's like, dude, <laughs> this is how, like, this is, this, is, this is up against whom you are. I don't love his play style. I think that he's a little bit tepid. At times. Now, there's also like him taking Chaz Surratt and carrying him 30 yards down the field. And so there, there's certainly a like a fire. There's certainly like an effort that exists. But to me, he runs very hot and cold. And that isn't just effort. That isn't just like finishing. It isn't just like play style and, and, and aesthetics. It's the the aiming points in the run game and in the pass game get bad. The hand activation, the hand carriage stays low uh, in, the, in the pass game and his pass sets. I don't know if it's a conditioning thing because he is such a big guy. I don't know if it's a my offense kind of sucks. I'm really tired of this sort of a thing. Throw in the fact that he just does not have to ever pass protect like a real person because they never drop back pass at Virginia Tech. And I am I, I understand what we're looking at in theory. But when I see a player consistently graded over Cosme, Eichenberg, Tevin Jenkins, I can't get there with Darisaw. I'm not I'm not all the way there. I'll read you my blurb on Darisaw. 
I don't want to hear it. It sucks. You're wrong, and I hate it. Great. I'm feeling really, really just just squirrely today. All right, you go ahead. Sorry. It's, it's your start. birthday. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> there aren't many dudes who are as big as Christian Derrissaw who can move the way he does with as good of balance as he has. That's the best way to explain him. His frame is massive and tough to get around, and then you throw in how naturally flexible he is in his stance and his weight. And even when you run into him, he can anchor quickly. He is smooth in his pass sets when we get to see them, and he's a people mover in the run game. He doesn't have as much of a finishing mentality as you wish he did all the time, but even so, this is a starting caliber offensive tackle in year one. I wonder if they're, you know, I I was giving you crap, obviously, a couple minutes ago, but, uh, you know, because it's my job, that's what they pay me to do. That's how we do what we do. Right, but... I do wonder, I, I you are not totally off base. It's not like what you are saying is out of nowhere. Because I certainly noted there were times where Derisaw could have cared more, whether it was about finishing a block or just being better at a block, than he didn't. I kind of brushed it off a little bit, but m- maybe there is more to it than what you were saying. Because I, I watched so much of his other film, and I was like, dude, you can... Uh, the first game that I turned on, Ben, was the the first game I watched was the Boston College game. And I didn't even hit play yet. And I just saw him in his stance at left tackle, and I went, you've got to be kidding me. How low yeah. he gets, how wide he gets, how controlled he is, how much Opened he up can, those hips. Oh, pops. my. Mm. I, had, I had to, I double-checked his measurables before I even hit play. I'm like, there's no way this guy is as big as what I wrote down before I started this. And he is. Six foot five, 315 pounds. And his flexibility and his hips and the leverage that he gets to have outside of his stance right. and how he gets to shoot out of his stance very well, I mean, extremely impressive to me. I really like it for and also, some blocking This is why stuff, I think it's a, in part a conditioning thing. Because I think when you go through his games and you get to the fourth quarter, he's not in as good of a stance and he's not as active. And so I think that it, that's why I think it's in part a conditioning thing because you'll catch him leaning on blocks in the running game too, which is like tired offensive lineman one on one. It's like oh, I'm just going to be heavy, right? Right. <laughs> you, you're not going to be able to go make a tackle. I and mean, so, if you, if you and, noted that, I didn't note that, but that goes more into it. it but then it's not every game. That's the thing. And so it's I don't I, I don't have a good explanation for you. I, if my team needed offensive tackle in round one, I would want to talk to Darisaw and I'd want to put on his Duke film and be like, what are we, what are we doing here, man? Yeah, sure. I'd want to put on his Liberty sure. film and be like, that kid's 225 pounds, sure. Christian. You know, like this, this, these are reps that I would expect to be dominating just to understand what's happening. But to me, I, I like, again, like if we're, to, if we're in a, a so it's not that you don't class, get him. Cause at the beginning you were like, I don't get Christian Darisaw. And I was like, all right, we're going to have to talk about what it, not to get, right. but it's, I do see what you're I saying. I can't get there. Okay. I can't like, if, I would it's it's a classic example of I could very I can I can see him becoming a good player in the pros. I would just rather somebody else take the swing. Especially if it if they're if the board is like it, like if you're like it's just if you're there at like the top fifteen, top twenty where where I've been mocking him, where we've been mocking like everybody, uh to me it's I I would I would want to take a different player and I would like to take somebody else take the swing on Darisaw, knowing what I know now in terms of what I've seen on film and that's all the access I have to him. I he he would be the kind of guy that you've got to you've got to you've got to interview you know like you you've got to you got to figure it out anyway and i would have told you that even before you brought up the concerns because you, you talk about the finishing aspects you can't be that big you can't sit here in an offensive tackle class that has you know guys like Penny Sewell guys like Jalen Mayfield 
interior offensive lineman like Landon Dickerson, and you can't let go the ability to say, like, dude, you are 6'5", 315, 320. Like, why are you not punishing this person for coming up in your space? Because a lot of these other mm-hmm. offensive tackles do. Do you just not want to do it? Like, what's going on here? So that would have existed before, but I guess I... I didn't notice it. I didn't note it as much as you did. I guess I have a lot more faith in it. Maybe I was blown away from how insanely athletic this dude is with also the power that he's has. Because yeah, with his size, I, I have him in a zone blocking scheme. Like, I have him as an ideal zone blocker. For for a man that he, size? He can. Uh, no, I know. Right? I know no, he and, can. And, and with, with what I've said about him as a second-level blocker, you've got concerns with him in both power and in zone. But the thing about you know, the, the consistent effort and the consistent drive is that like in zone you can get away with, and this goes back to your point about Brady Christensen, just getting to the right angle on a guy and then riding him out instead of, you know, really like turning, landing your hips, landing your feet and like generating displacement power. So I agree with you in the sense that I would want him in zone because I think that he's, he plays on the hoof just fine through the first level. And I'm, it's, I'm not going to constantly be asking him to like dominate power with power in the trenches. Uh, by the way, we're a little bit late on time because we got to go to a second break. But um, what'd you think of Jalen Mayfield? He's not in my top five. Uh, I, I mean, he's not in my top five either. At tackle, he's not my top five at guard either. Okay, well, he's in my top five at guard. Oh yeah, I loved the idea of getting this dude at guard. Love just because because uh, of the explosiveness, dude. I think everything you would want from a guard. Everything I watched from Mayfield's tape and the best stuff, the best of what he brought on tape, I went, dude, please play guard. Please let me put you as a left guard or right guard. You'd be phenomenal. The explosiveness, the size, the physicality, the the willingness to just bury people. Yeah, of course, he, he's, he would have an acclimation towards playing guard and things that he would have to learn and the nuances of the position and everything. But from a physical standpoint, the best traits that he showed me on tape I thought he'd be a fantastic guard in a lot of different systems, in inside zone stuff, as especially as a as a, a man blocker in in gap and power movements. I mean, like he was just devastating when he could pull to the second level. I love. I him. Uh, yeah. The, 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 if thing, not the, for thing, my... the thing that I didn't like most about him was his kickbacks. Was his stuff his stuff at tackle, and I think he mm-hmm. could improve with it. But I even thought that those were, you know, I don't want him doing that. Just have him go forward. Let him play. Let him play guard. I, uh, the, uh, the, uh, if not for my opinions on Christian Derrissaw, which I anticipated being rather, you know, incendiary, Mayfield would have been my toughest eval because I don't know how much 2019 you watched. If we're drafting players off of 2020 performance against Minnesota and, and, uh, Michigan state and what, and the like, mm-hmm. yeah, Mayfield round one, we start putting him against some, uh, current NFLers. You know, they played, they played Notre Dame in 2019. Right. They get a quarter, get Kareem. Right. Uh, Penn State, 2019, get Yetter Gross Matos. Right. Uh, Ohio State, obviously, Alabama. Uh, that's not a round one player. That's why. So I, I, just, I don't, I, I don't yeah. like him at tackle. I really don't. I, 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 I agree with you in the sense that I think that the ceiling is higher at guard than it is at tackle. His best because traits I do are, think, are guard traits. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. All right, great. We go, glad we're Advertisement? Yeah, no, we've, we, now we've got an advertisement. That I've got to read. <laughs> bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but 
NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet Online even covers all the award shows, the TV shows, reality TV. Basically, as you covered for all the news, scores, odds, it's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked on, all caps, one word, locked on. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Right after the break, Ben and I are going to break down our top fives in this 2021 NFL Draft offensive tackle class. All right, we have a new, all right, Ben, we have a new ad read that's a promo for our show, but Ooh. I think it's different. I, I think they changed it up because oh. remember last time we were reading okay. it, it was it was the old one. So I got a new one. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. Ad lib, or not ad lib, mad lib. You're going to read it and then just hit a blank and then I get to fill in with what I want. Okay. All right. Are you ready for? To party. Okay, no, I can't do this. <laughs> I wanted to do ready to party, but you said four, and so that didn't make sense. Okay, it's read the that. NFL draft, Ben. Are you Dang ready it. for the NFL draft? Are you ready for some football? All right, we're gonna keep going. No, we're gonna keep doing this. Join, right. join locked on NFL draft host Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Select as they give you their love and friendship and analysis on. Food items and Marvel heroes with team centric ideas. <laughs> Yo, I would watch this show, listen to this show. It's a podcast. Never mind. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the radio.com app or in person. <laughs> Just track me through my apartment. This that is was, a great that was, that, was, that was way better than the actual script. You guys are already listening to the show. You don't need to know <laughs> yeah. about it. And after that, you're probably going to stop, but you're going to hear the ad another locked on show. So All right, let's let's uh, let's hear the top fives. Read them off to me. So my OT seven. Stick with me here. What you? Stick right. with me here. You poo pooed me yesterday when I mentioned I o- all the interior you offensive like. lineman six. You're right. It's your birthday. You OT seven is Christian Derrissaw. Yeah. Jesus. O- OT six is Liam Eichenberg. Okay. OT five is Tevin Cosme. Or Ten- uh, Samuel Cosme. <laughs> Samuel Cosme. <laughs> OT four is Tevin Jenkins. I've written Tevin and then Cosme, and so that's why I did that. Okay. OT four is Tevin Jenkins. Okay. OT three is Rashawn Slater. I love Rashawn Slater. I think he's a top 10, top 15 pick. I think he's similar to Joe Tooney. He has an asterisk next to his name. Because I think he'll be a guard in the league and not a tackle. I think that a team will draft him okay. and play him at guard at first. I think that obviously 33-inch arms like quote unquote clears a threshold, but teams will still want to play him at guard. So I think teams still conceive of him as a guard. He uh, he's not, he's not built like a guard at all. But you don't think so? Uh, no, no, no. I I don't mean like lengthwise, but like I I don't think that he is. But no, I think that he's like a lighter guy who plays tackle better. Yeah, I think you would have to put a lot more weight on Rayshon Slater to really have success with him at guard. Which I, maybe I mean, like, but yeah, I, I, to me, like he's got the Joe Tooney, Ali Marpet build, right? Like that's why like, he like uh, uh, maybe it is six, maybe it is a little bit more athletic than I'm. Yeah, thinking. Tooney was six five three oh four at the combine. Marpet was six four three oh seven. Of uh, memory serves, Slater came into the the pro day at I want to say six four three oh nine. 307? I just think he's too good at offensive tackle. I, I just think he's built like a tackle, and and I'm I'm probably going to keep him there. All right. 
speaking of players who I think are are tackles, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker yeah, is listen, my number two. Listen, you you said Rayshon Slater at two, and I'm like, oh my. Rayshon Slater at three. Right, you said Rayshon Slater at three, and I'm like, oh my god, does he have Braden Christensen at two? Like what? Are, like what is Ben right. about to say on this podcast right now? But then I remembered Elijah Vera Tucker. Right, so Elijah Vera Tucker uh, is a six foot four. 300 pound if we want to talk about not really having the mass that you'd like to see to play uh guard i think that he's really around like 300 305 and so the fact that he was as successful as he was at guard at that side is is to me bananas cream pie but anyway uh vera tucker was left tackle for usc this year uh much like jalen mayfield you have to take this season not with like a grain of salt but just he played six games in 2020 and he had a, a really quality performance against the Pac-12 that they went up against USC. Of course, you're not really getting the premier edges that you'd like in terms of film, Arizona State, Arizona, Washington State, some of these films. He gets Oregon. And he's played Kayvon Thibodeau now twice, and he's lost his reps and he's won, and he's won his reps against Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau is going to be a top five pick. And so I think that the way we've immortalized the Rashawn Slater versus Chase Young film which like Young won some reps and Slater won some reps. I mean, like the Vera Tucker against Thibodeau film, this is probably going to be the best anybody looks against Thibodeau once we do Thibodeau's film starting next season. He's going to be a true junior rush out of Oregon. So to me, like it's just we don't have yet the the incarnate Thibodeau's top five player, incredible edge to really contextualize how well I thought Vera Tucker played against him. Again, losing with some, to some explosive rushes, as everybody does, but still being uh, quite strong. Vera Tucker is an unbelievably consistent, steady, measured tackle. We talk about the balance issues of Samuel Cosme. They don't exist. Uh, we talk about the, the length issues of Tevin Jenkins necessitating aggressiveness. Not a problem. Uh, we talk about the... Uh, uh, the the Christian Darrisaw running hot and cold, it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his in first two steps are copy paste every time. His initial that initial inside hand punch is on location on time every single snap, and that's why he doesn't lose to lower level rushers the way that Darrisaw does at times, and the way that that Sam Cosme does at times. He doesn't just not give up sacks. He doesn't give up pressures. He doesn't give up ground. The guard experience that he brought to tackle makes him so good at the contact point that he's not even like letting the pocket get collapsed on him. He is at times a little bit upright uh, and at times uses his upper body a little bit too much. That's going to be a problem at guard or at tackle. And that's the biggest knock I have on him. So to me, Elijah Vera Tucker will start at tackle and then fail at tackle and then move to guard. I expect him to be a high-quality tackle or a high-quality guard uh, wherever he does end up. I like him better than Rashawn Slater. It's very, very close. Uh, if Vera Tucker comes out with bad athleticism numbers, Slater will move over him in my uh, like in my formula, in my mm-hmm. grading. But mm-hmm. both uh, top 15 picks, in my opinion. That leaves, of course, Penny Sewell at number one. I... I would have Vera Tucker, who I said on yesterday's podcast, I, I, I just like him a lot better at guard. If you want to draft it, if you're drafting him in the top 15, then obviously you're going to try him at tackle first. And I think he could be fine at tackle. But again, this is this is a player who I think that his ceiling is really high at guard. And I think he's an impactful guard. So if I were putting him in this tackle group to, to pull a Ben on Ben, I would put him right outside the top five along with Samuel Cosme. 
like it would be Sam Cosme seven, Elijah Vera Tucker six before we get into the top five. They would kind of like be in the same bucket there, but I would have Elijah Vera Tucker above Samuel Cosme for similar reasons to the ones that you named, but he would still be outside my top five just because I see I, I see him more as a guard. So that's just kind of my vision for him. Five is Liam Eikenberg. We already said a lot of words on Liam Eikenberg. Unbelievably steady. You could draft him first round, play him week one. That's the kind of play that we're talking about here. He understands everything so well. Christian Derrissaw is my number four, but I, I want to say how close I was between Derrissaw and Liam Eikenberg, which even for me... Knowing that I was going to like Liam Meikenberg, I didn't think that it would be this close because I thought I was really going to like Derisaw a lot more, and they ended up only being actually one point behind each other. I have a grade scale that's out of 100, and so one point means a lot. And so they, they're very, very close, but uh, from what I've, I've seen so far, I've got Liam Meikenberg at five. I've got Christian Derisaw at four. I think the athletic ceiling with Derisaw is so high, but as we said before, you got to kind of figure out where the mentality is at, where the conditioning is at, why some of the tape was better than uh, other versions of the tape at times. Three for me is Tevin Jenkins, and speaking of a player that I found out I was a lot higher on when it came to my grading scale, he's close to Rayshon Slater. Like I almost nice. had, Te- I almost had Tevin Jenkins as as O lineman number two. That's that's how close it was. And and if we're talking about buckets that we're putting guys in, he'd be in the same bucket as Rayshon Slater. I think both of these guys are first round players, no doubt about it. There are things that I like about Rayshon Slater and how refined and how controlled and how quick his game is. And there are things that I like about Jenkins, his mentality, his his erasing ability, his power, his dominance, how he sets the tone, all of these things I really, really loved about him. And I was also super impressed with the hand usage. Like I thought that Tevin Jenkins was going to be more of a player in 2020 that I saw just throw the hands, try to shove somebody over, over the ground, and when it failed... He was just going to be whiffing at air, and I did not see that nearly as much as I thought I would. He's a lot more controlled with that power, and that's something that immediately becomes very alluring to me as a trend-setting and tone-setting offensive tackle. Number one for me is Penny Sewell. And let me tell you, Ben, it's not close for me. It's just, oh, yeah? it's. I mean, it, it's it's not even close. He is in, I, I do tiers for a lot of these players. He's tier one by himself. I'm I'm not putting anybody next to him. The the tape that he put out as an 18, 19 year old <laughs> in 2018, 2019 before opting out this year is just stupid. I'll read my blurb on him because I want to say more good words about Penesol. And I quote me. I do not know what more you could possibly ask out of Penesol in his tape, given how young he was and how dominant he was. Uh At- catch more touchdowns. Okay, thank you. At just 18 and 19 years old in his freshman and sophomore seasons, Sewell put up offensive tackle tape that was starting caliber in the NFL. His athleticism for a player of his size is hard to believe, and his strength at the point of attack is marvelous. And then I have in parentheses, Oregon ran behind him constantly when they needed a big run. His footwork, yes. <laughs> his footwork and his foot speed are stellar, com- given his size, and he already shows a good understanding of the game when it comes to neutralizing pass rush moves and counters. The only complaints I have about him are at times, his hands do get a little bit wild, he can play a bit too high at times, and wants to throw so much power into a block, he'll lunge and get a bit off balance, all of which are completely correctable. This is a very special player. So that was my that was my assessment of Penny Sewell at number one. Uh, yeah, I think everybody who's on the whole like, oh, Sewell's nobody like the snap to snap. And like, if you really watch and then you put us, nah, he's 18, just throwing kids around like this. Sometimes it's simple, man. Right. Uh, that's If he's not if he's not as good in year one, 
as you think he might be in your one's top five pick, that's okay. He's still 20 and moves like a tight end at 290, 300 pounds. It's okay. He Don't will, worry about it. He We're going to be, be all right. He will be 20 years old on week one of the NFL season, not just on draft day. On In week one of the NFL season, he will go into his second year as a pro at 21 years old. He will gonna, go into the fifth year of his contract at just 24, 25. Like, wh- what? That's insane. Gonna, he's going to, like, uh, just absolutely stonewall some edge rusher on his first ever rep. And the edge rusher will be like, at least I can, like, buy a beer, idiot. <laughs> You're 20. Penny is allowed. going to sign his second contract in the NFL at age 24. 25 first year or fifth year option. Well, I mean, if if you're not extending him before then, right. so that that's yeah. why I said 24, 25. If you're extending him before the fifth year option, which I, I figure the team that drafts him probably will. He'll be 24, and if you wait till the fifth year is up, he'll be 25, which is just it, it's wild to think of the context and 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 all of the things, and that's that's why I was so willing to praise him. It's not that he's perfect; it's that the things that you want to correct of him are completely correctable. As a 20-year-old who put out two years of tape already. That's what's so special to me about Penny Sewell. It's not the fact that he's perfect. It's the fact that the things that you would want to change, he can absolutely change and get better at. And he's and he is only going to at that point. Just like so. Samuel Cosme with his leverage. Great point, Trev. You know, Ben, <laughs> I don't think those things are similar. There we go. Offensive tackles. <laughs> We're it's a great see. class, man. It is it's a really fun class. If you need an offensive tackle, I think you could get one that you really love in the top 50, and I think you could even get some that you really like in the top 100. We didn't mention, we didn't say any words about Alex Leatherwood. Do you have any parting, yeah. th- parting thoughts on Alex Leatherwood at all? My thoughts on Alex Leatherwood, which started in 2019, have remained unchanged. He's fine. You know, that's a good... I think good... he's probably a guard. Okay, so he's another guy where I watched him and I went, you're not built like a guard, but you have the play style of a guard. And so I don't really I don't really know what to do with him. If you put him at tackle, like you said, like he's fine. He'll win some reps. He gets beat on some reps. I, 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 I just didn't see a very impactful player. He's a former five-star offensive tackle, so the league's obviously going to give him a chance. He's going to get drafted on day two. He's going to get a chance to start a tackle. But uh, the things he did well, again, I, I saw as, as more of a guard, but he also doesn't look like a guard. Like he's got to put on some weight to really be a guard. I don't like, yeah, I think that is, I think his outside shoulder, the outside track rushes a tackle is a problem. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm not sure if it's quicker feet. I'm not sure if it's quicker snap, get off. Right. Which is like, like there's times where Vera Tucker snap, get off is bad, but it's like, right. You just gotta, he's gotta learn how to get off the ball. Like that's not, we can fix that. I don't know if it's feet. I don't know if it's angles. I don't know if it's snap, get off, but I just don't trust him on an outside track. That's my thing with a lot yeah. of times it's like, Oh, like I like him at guard because of X, Y, and Z. And for me, it's like, I don't want him at tackle. And that's a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. That's offensive tackle folks. That's all of the scouting reports, notes, and rankings that we're doing this week. We got the trenches down. We're coming up with tight end next. We're going to start with tight ends on Monday. That's going to be the next uh, positional episode that we will do. But before we get there, we got Fan Friday coming up at the end of the week. It's Ben's birthday. You better bring <laughs> you better you better bring the good questions as birthday gifts to him. And we're going to make sure the show is as good as it could possibly be to bring in Ben's new age. We're going to ring it in the right way. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here. I'm locked on NFL Draft.